Hi, people. It's been a while, right? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for the long silence. It's been a difficult two weeks. Well, guess what? I'm back. Um, so welcome once again. My name is Omar Martins. Um, welcome to another episode of Bloom and Struts. So let's jump right into um, the conversation for today. And I want to talk about amusement park rides. Now, when I think of, about amusement park rides, I would generally think that there are two emotions um, associated with getting on these rides, right? And you feel either one of them. So you either feel thrill um, and you thoroughly enjoy the adrenaline rush or you feel complete terror. Now, I fall in the category that would feel complete terror. In fact, when I think about amusement park rides, I remember my first ride. It was a roller coaster. My sister and I took a trip to an amusement park in the UK and we decided to get on the roller coaster. Now, I don't know what inspired that decision and I uh, I would guess it was, it probably came from, I don't know, watching, watching it on TV and wanting to experience what people will typically express and um, when they get on uh, when they get on these roller coasters so i get on the ride and then the cart starts to ascend it was at that point that i realized gosh looks like i made a terrible mistake but too late to go back so the cart keeps ascending ascending and then it gets really high then it suddenly drops. And while every other person screamed out of excitement, I was screaming out of fear and out of terror. My sister and I actually. Because all I could think about was, man, if this cart loses its grip, that means I and every other person on this ride would be flung to some end of the earth. And all that would be left of us would be broken bones, scattered flesh, no chance to say goodbye to family and friends that thought scared me anyway we get to the end of the ride and as you would guess that did not happen but i'll tell you what happened it was then we realized that there were cameras installed um, on the paths on the right path and so intermittently the cameras would take pictures of us the reason for that was so they could sell the picture pictures as memorabilia so we go hey okay let's look for ourselves and we start to look for ourselves it looks like it looked like from the pictures it looked like our cart was empty believe it or not my sister and i were under our seats throughout the ride now we don't know how we got there but that's where we were very embarrassing well anyway when i think back to that experience i can't say that i enjoyed that ride but then when i compare it to rides that i have taken recently i would say that there is a a skill there is a way to teach yourself to enjoy the ride and this it's really simple you can't think about the possibilities. You can't think about what can go right. You can't think about what can go wrong. 
you have to stay present. You have to find something, anything that you can enjoy. The wind on your face, the ability to twist and turn in extraordinary ways, the speed, something that thrills you. You you find it, you stay there. And if there's anything that terrifies you, you find a way to deal with it. So, for example, you can shut your eyes if you find uh, the movement um, sudden and tricky. But yes... You stay present. Um, you have to... You stay present, really. That's it. And I find that, as you would... I find that it applies to life. And it applies to a lot of things in life. Now, when I think about myself, actually, this came up in a conversation that my husband and I had recently. When I think about myself... I have often described myself as one with dual personalities. And I would explain what I mean. Now, I find that I exhibit different traits when I'm with two sets of people. Now, with set A, I would seem very articulate, very put together, very expressive. Now, with um, group B, it, I would appear... Um, let's put together delivery will just be off let me just say that that bit of me still needs work and I realized that but anyway I kept thinking why Why the difference why, why does that happen and I figured it out with group A these were people that I I I was used to or I am used to people I feel comfortable with and so I don't associate my interactions with them um, with any expectation so I don't expect anything back I don't expect to be judged I don't expect to be ridiculed I don't expect anything back from them and so it's, it's okay to be myself with them right but then we could be and again I would like to state that conversations with group E or interactions with group B are seemingly significant because they, because I attached an expectation to my interaction with this group I would be so stressed out I would focus on the expected end would it be bad, would it be good and so instead of focusing on my delivery, I'd focus on the expectation and because my mind was stressed out thinking about this expectation, I would deliver way less than I am typically capable of. Now, you see, imagination is a gift. It's a great gift from God. But I find I can get in the way of real progress. So you have to learn to manage it. Now, what what I find works for me or the understanding I find works for me is I have to learn to use imagination to my advantage. And how do I do that? I allow imagination drive the preparation process for a significant event. So say, for instance, I have a presentation. I allow my imagination drive the preparation for that presentation. So if I feel anxious, if I feel afraid, that means I need I need to, or that means I need to prepare more, 
or I need to seek advice from people who have gone before me. Anything that puts me in a better position for that event. But you see, once I'm in the arena, I can't... Imagination is out of, out, out of the door. I can't be thinking about the possibilities. At that point, I'm focused on my delivery. I'm focused on what I'm putting out. At that point, I'm pure concentration and pure skill. Now, I have heard a number of people give advice around this. For example, I've heard of a public speaker that does a hundred push-ups or something, something like that. A hundred push-ups before a public, a, a public, making a public speech. Sorry, that was a, a message. Making a public speech. And I've heard of someone else who has encouraged tongue twisters because again, tongue twisters sort makes your brain focus or come to the present. And that's all well and good. But you see, for me, it's it's always a self-awareness thing, really. It's just to continue to tell myself, look, you can't be thinking about the possibilities at this point. And I draw myself down to the very thing, to the very present, to something in the present, some object in the present, some event in the present. Now, this is a learned skill. And I am dedicated, I'm committed to learning. So I continuously put, I continue to put myself in a place or in places where I am able to hone this skill. Um, for example, this podcast, this podcast is just another, well, amongst other things, it is another opportunity to develop this skill. And so, yes, this is just me saying that I am committed to it. And I share this because I know I'm not alone. I know that this is a very common thing. And so I thought to, again, just put it out there um, as food for thought. And I'd like to know what you think. Is this something you find you have dealt with or you know someone who has dealt with it? And how do you deal with bringing yourself to the present? Does it come naturally to you or do you have some strategy with do you have some strategy um, that helps you be present, stay present? Let me know. You can reach me on social social media at omamartens underscore or at Woman. You can also reach me on Facebook at omaogban. Or you can even reach me via email. Yes, you can send me an email. Ogban.o at gmail.com. That's O-G-B-A-N underscore O at gmail.com. Until then, thank you so much for listening to me. See you in our next episode. Bye-bye.